Disney made good progress towards direct-to-consumer profitability in the last quarter. Another Disney Plus price increase and password sharing curbs could finish the job on schedule in 2024, but at what cost? Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and uh, Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media is, of course, with me. Hi there, Colin. You feeling better this week? I'm feeling good. How about you? I'm feeling better also. Not 100%, but I'm getting there. So hopefully we'll be fully back on our feet soon enough. And um, we, as you mentioned at the top there, had Disney earnings this week, which we're going to dive into here in just a moment. But we have a couple of news items to get us started this week. And I am going to go first. News item that we actually talked about, we touched on just very briefly last week in our podcast about Warner Brothers Discovery. And this picks up on the piece about what they're considering doing with sports. And there was a report in CNBC that came from people familiar, quote unquote, people familiar with the matter. So we don't have anything official at this point, but the reporting that the company uh, Max is looking to add a sports tier to Max and the sports tier would include simulcasts of games from Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and NCAA, including possibly March Madness. And it apparently would also bring in some uh, content from Bleacher Report, which it also owns and may the tier may even be uh, branded as Bleacher Report in some way. So that's all still speculation. But interesting that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery sees an opportunity here, I think, uh, really targeting younger audiences and cord cutters people who do not have pay TV any longer and therefore would not have access to these games on TNT and elsewhere um, to now include them in a tier attached to HBO. Well, no longer HBO Max, now just Max. And um, really not brand new content, but just simulcast content, right? Right. And I think it makes a lot of sense for them to add an additional charge. I mean, we've talked a lot about the cost of sports rights on the podcast, Will, and they have gone through the roof and there's very definitely additional value here. And of course, as we talked about last week, they were talking about the fact that they had the digital distribution rights to a lot of sports that they weren't fully utilizing. So I think adding a sports tier here might be might be a good plan. But it's interesting because those people that are interested in those sports, it sounds like what they're going to have to do is subs- first subscribe to Max and then subscribe to the sports. So what that means in effect, I don't know how much they're going to charge for those that sports tier will but that means there's a, an entry fee to pay the extra money is, is a minimum of $10, which is the ad-supported tier cost for Max these days. So, you know, I, I suspect that I would expect that the sports tier would be at least $5. So if you're really only interested in the sports, you're going to be paying a minimum of $15 to to watch those sports so that makes it sound a little bit steeper if you are a core cutter and have have until now not been interested in max or hbo max 
uh, as a service to for your general entertainment needs. So that's a fairly steep fee if that if the sports is what you're after. It, it is, and of course, it's another will be another bet that sports can draw subscribers on its own. And actually, that's not a bad lead-in. Although we'll get to that in a moment about potentially the ESPN direct service, which will be the biggest test of all of whether sports can stand on its own. But before we get to that, let's, uh, you have a news item also this week. I do. Um, although I do want to make one, one comment, one more comment about this. Will is beginning to feel awfully like the tears we used to have in cable. I remember I was paying a fairly hefty fee in order for me to watch my premier league i think it was an additional ten dollars a month boy does that sound like does that feel like this is going all over again we're getting the same thing all over again yeah well you could ask any subscriber to cable tv package about the broken out line items for regional sports network fees yeah um, that are probably 10 15 dollars or more per month and um it does mirror that kind of a la carte uh, additional sports tier pricing concept. Sure does, sure does. But anyway, let's let's move onward. So I, I, perhaps our listeners didn't catch this, but I thought this announcement about World Poker Tour partnering with Whip Media to use their Fast Track product was a really interesting one. And uh, basically, I mean, one of the things that uh, we should probably talk about here a little bit is the fact that World Poker Tour, I think, was one of the first companies to really jump on the fast opportunity. It has the World Poker Tour channel available on just about every single fast platform that I can think of. It's actually one that I occasionally return to because I do like uh, I do like to watch the poker and I play a little bit myself. So it's kind of fun to watch and it really is available fairly ubiquitously across all of the platforms. Well, they have really been following the mantra that I've heard from many content providers, which is that if if there's a platform available they want to be on it because they you know there may be some viewers there that they can pick up on that additional platform but the problem is that there are so many platforms now that it is very difficult for a company like world poker tour to get a unified view of the performance of each of those platforms and the performance of their content on that platforms and that is where whip media's fast track really comes in it helps bring a more unified view across all of the distribution partners that a company like well poker tour may have and and i think that we're going to actually see a move towards this type of platform and getting that unified approach because we're past the stage where every channel is going to trust that any platform that wants their content is going to de- deliver them incremental viewers will. Um, in, in, in point of fact, they really haven't had the tools to judge the performance of each platform. Fast Track will hopefully provide them with that. It will also, also help them figure out which ordering of content and which specific content works best on each platform. That might not be quite so important for World Poker Tour, but it certainly will be for other uh, other channels that are providing sort of different types of content in their, in their broadcast channels. And this will really help them optimize viewership and perhaps 
channels that we'll actually see channels deciding just not to support some platforms going forward that aren't performing very well and there is a good reason why they should do that and that's because it costs them money to add each distribution partner if you go talk to a maggie or world they're charging incre incrementally for every platform that they deliver on so if they're not covering that incremental charge there doesn't seem to be much point in supporting a platform if they can't uh, make up make that up in advertising revenue so anyway that's i think this is a a wave to come we're going to see a lot of come a lot of uh, fast providers using platforms that give them a more unified view of the performance of their channels and their content across multiple fast outlets. Yeah, that seems to make sense, especially in a highly fragmented distribution world where, as you said, you want to understand where you're getting real value, where you're getting viewership and what's, what platforms are worth investing in as uh, you know, needs change. So it seems like it could well be a trend going forward. I think so, Will, and I, I note that um, Fox's report continued good performance, continued strong increases in revenue from fast platforms. Fox, of course, owns Tubi, which is continuing to grow uh, very, very quickly for them and uh, really, really helping their bottom line. So have a feeling that we're going to continue to see a lot of growth. And uh, so, as I say, a good good opportunity for providers to optimize the revenue that are generating from those platforms yeah uh, but any but anyway shall we go onward into disneyland <laughs> right on to disney which of course reported earnings this week and uh the company has been so in the news recently really uh ever since bob Iger's interview a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago um talking about how the network TV business may no longer be core to it going forward. And that, of course, has uh, generated a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with ESPN and the other linear networks. And, um, of course, you know, questions about Disney's streaming strategy as well. It's lost, I, I think, over $10 billion on its direct-to-consumer business since launch. So been a huge bet by the company. And um, there were, I think, a few things that we wanted to call out from this week's earnings report, maybe just starting on the subscriber side. So um, for Disney Plus, things pretty flat here in the U.S. and Canada, um, basically a loss of a few hundred thousand subscribers down to 46 million, about flat. Uh, international actually up about a million subscribers. That is excluding uh, Disney Plus Hotstar, which was really the weak spot in the streaming portfolio. I think we all know that uh, Disney did not uh, fully ante up for uh, cricket rights in India. That's cost it subscribers down 24% from last quarter, from about 53 million to 40.4 million subscribers. And also ESPN plus about flat, 25 million and change. And uh, Hulu was absolutely uh, flat also, 48.2 million up to uh, 48.3 million this quarter. So pretty flat, but um, the really big news, it seems from Disney is the planned price increase going into effect soon for Disney plus ad free tier. 
um, it's going to increase from $10.99 per month to $13.99 per month. And listeners will remember that it just uh, increased by $3 a month uh, back in November. So that means that it goes from effectively $8 a month to $14 a month in less than a year's time. And uh, also noteworthy here is that Disney Plus is not changing the tier, the pricing of its ad supported tier, which is going to stay at $8 per month. So, uh, and Bob Iger, CEO, was very clear in the uh, earnings call and stating that it's looking, companies looking to add more subscribers, move subscribers over to the ad supported tier. They obviously believe that that is more profitable on a per subscriber basis than the uh, ad free tier. Um, the gap now is going to be again, $8 for the ad ad supported tier 14 for the ad free. So a difference of $6 that puts them about in line with the differences between ad supported and ad free that uh, we see on max Hulu Paramount plus uh, slightly less than what Netflix has done. Netflix has been really even more aggressive with its ad supported tier, keeping it at $7 a month, which is a full 850 difference versus its lowest priced ad free tier of 1549. Um, of course, that's a relatively recent thing because they just uh, dropped the lower priced ad free tier uh, just within the last couple of months or so. So, um, so that's pretty big news, uh, Colin, that um, they're putting, it seems a lot more focus on the ad supported tier going forward. Um, certainly looks like they're going to try to squeeze as much as they can out of the ad free tier. They're no doubt going to be testing subscribers' willingness to pay by increasing another $3 a month here. Iger said that the last price increase did not result in much churn. We'll see whether that stays the same this time around. And um, also the loss in the quarter for the direct consumer business declined by uh, declined to 500, about 500 million this quarter down from about a billion five in the prior quarter. And Disney continues to maintain that the DTC business will turn profitable sometime next year in 2024. So that's a fair amount right there. There's more that we have to discuss, but what are your reactions to uh, some of those numbers, Colin? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting time, I think, for them to be increasing the price of Disney Plus yet again for many of its customers. I actually think that this this timing is pretty un unfortunate for Disney Plus, Will. So... Since they've made the adjustments in pricing, which they instituted last November, they've actually lost about 600,000 subscribers here in the US, which is not a big deal because they've gone for 46.6 million. Um, this is actually United States and Canada. They've gone from 46.6 million at the end of last year to 46 million here. So I suppose uh, Bob Iger is correct in that it didn't have a huge impact on the number of subscribers. Uh, but I have a feeling that this increase could have a bigger impact. Um, uh, it comes so soon after the previous increase. If you want to watch ad free and let's be clear here that, you know, there's a lot of very premium content on Disney Plus that I think people do want to continue to watch ad free. 
you know, bringing such a, a big increase on top of the fact that they've just had another increase. This is a pretty better pill to swallow, particularly when you bear in mind that Disney has been pretty vocal about the fact that they're cutting some of the content that they were bringing into that platform anyway. They're also withdrawing some of the content, putting it back in the quote Disney vault. Um, we're also seeing, I think, some waning of interest in some of their core franchi franchises like Marvel and Star Wars. And frankly, the productions that they've made under those franchises have some of them have not been as well received as I think they would want. They are also instituting password sharing curbs that probably won't come in until 2024. Uh, but certainly discussion of them will will, will be probably pretty vocal um, amongst the users of Disney Plus. Uh, so, of course, that means for some people who are borrowing somebody else's password, they're going to have to start paying. Uh, and the, the another thing that I think is really important is the strikes. And we haven't really talked about that. I think that has a substantial uh, probability if it is protracted and if it continues through the end of the year to have a really huge impact on Disney. Short term, it's been great, right? Because they've saved a bunch of money on production. Uh, and uh, so, you know, they've seen an increase in short term cash, which is good. The problem for them, Will, is, you know, basically the proposition they're handing to people that want to watch ad free, ad free, is pay a lot more for less. And uh, by the way, there may be even less coming uh, if the strikes really bite. And I have a feeling that this, rather than people dropping down to the ad tier, some obviously will, but I have a feeling that a bunch of people may well just bail and just say, you know, not enough new stuff going on in here. I really want to continue to watch ad free. I'll come back when there's something more interesting. And I think they could see a substantial impact, particularly in North America, on the number of subscribers here. I do know that they've also adjusted the pricing for Duo Premium Bundle, which is a bundle of ad-free Hulu and ad-free Disney+. Plus. But interestingly, it's only $2 more expensive for the Duo Premium Bundle than it is for ad-free Hulu on its own, $17.99 versus $19.99. So we may well see a bunch of people jump over to that Duo bundle if they want to continue to watch ad-free. I have to say, for me personally, uh, I am actually questioning if I even want to play $2 more for Disney+. Plus. I can't remember the last time I used it, even though I have access to it. Uh, far more important to me, of course, is um, ESPN Plus in the, in the soccer season for UEFA Champions League. I honestly think that they may well get a lot of pushback on this price increase, coupled with the password sharing. I think that could be a little bit too much of an ask for many, many Disney's, Disney Plus subscribers. Yeah, a lot of variables in the mix there, Colin, as you said. Price increase, rapid price increase, two rapid price increases. Strike, which affects content, pulling content anyway. And then some of the content starting to feel older, older, older. So uh, it's going to be a real test, I think, for Disney to see whether they can, how much churn increases with this new 
price increase. But honestly, I don't think they have a choice. I mean, they, as we said before, they have lost a huge amount of money on DTC since launch. And Iger is under huge pressure in order to, to turn the company around, uh, coming stepping back in, uh, as he did. And they really, I think, in essence, front-loaded a lot of their subscriber acquisition in that first couple years following the launch. I mean, it, it's really staggering how quickly they got to the 150-ish million subscriber count. Uh, and, you know, they did it by obviously throwing a lot of their content in the mix and pricing very low. And now they're going to see, you know, what the real value of all that content is and what people are willing to pay. And that's a tried and true business strategy. And it just remains to be seen how much it sticks. The, uh, you know, the other, I think, thing worth mentioning is the competitive dynamics are, I think, much tighter than they were four years ago when Disney Plus launched more SVOD services, more SVOD services with lower priced ad tiers, the proliferation of fast services. So there's a lot more content out there. And that's before talking about non-video uh, activities that people engage with. So um, the environment seems like it gets ever harder for Disney and others, for that matter, to push through these price increases successfully. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, I think I've said this on the podcast before, the days of cheap SVOD viewing are coming to an end. There's, there's no question about that. Um, interestingly, Will, one of the things that Bob Iger said at the beginning of the call on, uh, we, this would be yesterday, Wednesday, we're recording this on Thursday. One of the things is he said the three businesses which he thought will be the big revenue drivers for Disney going forward were the studios, the parks, and streaming. And noticeably absent from that, of course, was the traditional TV business. And I was looking at the revenue earned by those businesses. And it looks to me, so linear revenue on Q220, excuse me, it's fiscal Q3 2023 for Disney fell 7% uh, to, I think, 6.9 billion uh, in, in this Q3 versus 2022. And DDC revenue increased plus nine percent to about five point, uh, I think five point nine billion was the number. And if if we repeat that performance over the next year, they're going to be pretty much generating the same amount of money, so about six billion dollars this time next year. Uh, so obviously, since linear, which is very profit a very profitable business for them, if that continues to decline at that rate. They better get profitable in their DTC offerings because, you know, they're going to be really dependent on that revenue a lot more. And if they're still making a loss, then that's going to be a huge problem for them, given that Bob's, Bob Iger said that it is one of the three legs upon which the whole business stands. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be a real challenge. And I do understand why increasing prices is necessary to get there. But I really do think that you know one of the one of the problems with that strategy. Well, yes, you've gotten you've gotten a lot of subscribers by introducing it at an extremely low price. The problem is you pick up a lot of people like me, who really don't care that much about Disney Plus. We got it because you know there's an, the occasional thing that we want to watch, 
uh, definitely not a core service for us. And uh, yeah, you're going to lose those people going forward because they they really weren't that interesting interested in yeah. in the start. The worry I have, the continued worry I have, will is that Disney's simply not putting enough content in there, even for, for people that are fairly committed to the brands that they have inside of Disney Plus, like like you know, uh, like Marvel and, and and like Star Wars. You just don't have enough content flow to keep to keep people staying month in month out. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. The the other thing, interesting thing, maybe it's a good good a good time for us to to turn and talk a little bit about ESPN, the future of ESPN. There was a lot of speculation in the press that Disney um, Disney is now looking to. Well, I think it was actually stated very specifically by Disney executives, the head of ESPN, that the future of that channel was direct to consumer. And there was some discussion during the call by Bob Arger about that. He was asked very specifically about that. And he said that what they're looking for is they're looking for partners that can help Disney launch ESPN D2C. Um, but they, what they really help with, really want help with, is with distribution and with marketing. They don't need any help with the financing. Obviously, they're in a pretty good financial situation. And it's, I, I sat there wondering to myself, what is what is the difference? Why isn't ESPN Plus featuring more prominently in the discussion of the future of ESPN? I thought that that was the whole point of ESPN Plus's launch. I remember Bob, Bob Iger at the time saying that he viewed ESPN Plus as the, the center for sports online, for streaming. And it only seems sensible to me that they would be looking to bring the assets, the sports assets that ESPN has into ESPN Plus in some way. That I thought was very interesting. The other thing I question with ESPN is all of the talking heads, all of the analysis. I'm not sure that that's as valuable to people as it was in the good old days of cable. Uh, I mean, there are pundits everywhere, podcasts on YouTube. Uh, I'm really not sure that all of that um, that talk about sports is required. So it really does boil down to those sports licenses. So I would have thought a natural place for them to go was ESPN+. Plus, But, you know, we have no details about what they're planning on doing. What what do you think's going on with, with ESPN? Well, I, th- I mean, you know, they've been clear that they're going to launch a direct-to-consumer ESPN service at some point. It's just a question of when. Uh, I think they've been careful, to your points about ESPN+, Plus. they're trying to be careful to not put too much good stuff, if you will, onto ESPN+, Plus because they don't want to contribute to cord-cutting themselves as much as they possibly can. Uh, that's happening on its own. Um, and so they're being wary. And I think that's probably a smart strategy to make ESPN Plus just interesting enough, if you will, um, not put too much really premier sports content on there, but enough to get people interested and keep the price reasonably low. And then no doubt they'll leverage that as part of the Disney, as part of the, the full ESPN D2C launch, whenever that does happen. So, um, also related to ESPN, worth mentioning that 
at long last, they got into the betting business. Um, they've essentially ceded that ground uh, entirely to the two big players there. Um, and uh, they tied up with Penn Entertainment, a reportedly $2 billion deal. They only have about, I think, 2-3% market share right now, um, does Penn. So ESPN has a long way to come back from to try to get a slice of the betting pie. And that's been a point of sensitivity for Disney as well. But they seem like they've finally gotten over that. But whether it's too late, we'll, we'll see whether they can get their fair share or not. Indeed. And uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about Disney, which was kind of a detail, but I thought was pretty interesting, uh, was the performance of Hulu's VMVPD, which is live TV or Hulu Live. And uh, that declined slightly this quarter again and is actually now down. So it's at 4.3 million. It's down from its peak two quarters ago at 4.5 million. And the reason I mention it is Sling TV also lost subscribers again, is down to 3 million subscribers. And the estimates that I see is, is that there's really only one or maybe two BMVPDs that are showing any growth at all. And one is YouTube TV, which I've seen estimates putting its subscribers at about 6.6 .6 million. So it is now, you know, kind of double Sling TV and considerably bigger than, than Hulu with live. Uh, and of course, Fubo TV, although Fubo has lost subscribers, I know, um, in the last couple of last couple of quarters, uh, although with sports kicking in again just in September or at the end of this month with NFL coming back, we may see an uptick there in Fubo uh, in, in the third quarter. So really, they're really, you know, um, Hulu's live offering seems to have topped out at about 4 million subscribers and doesn't seem to be growing much at all either. So uh, Hulu itself is still growing a little bit, but uh, not live TV inside of Hulu. Yeah, well, a lot of moving pieces with Disney and lots of decisions for Bob Iger and team to be making here. So many different parts of the Disney company that need to be reconsidered. You know, the traditional model worked so well for them for so long. Those movie franchises worked incredibly well. ESPN affiliate fees worked incredibly well. Uh, parks worked incredibly well. So we're going to keep an eye on it going forward. There's going to be lots more to come from Disney, right? I think there certainly is, Will. And I, I got a feeling that they're probably looking at what happened with Hotstar in India yeah. with the loss of loss yeah. of that cricket, the cricket rights. And they're thinking very hard about if they lose some of the rights that they have in the US, what that will do there as well. So there's a lesson there for them. But uh, as we know, sports rights aren't getting any cheaper. But anyway, that's something we'll probably keep an eye on in the coming months. Okay, well, let's leave it at that for today, Colin. And uh, good chatting. And thanks, everybody, for listening in this week. And we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of In Screen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.